This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show. Here we are right now. Reality is now sunk in for the Mets. How long is it going to take to rebuild? When will this turn around? Last year, when they won 101 games, that was the fluke, right? Not that this disappointing 2023 was going to be flukish of nature. No, maybe last season's really, really good year was the one that was out of the ordinary. And they're not going to make the playoffs. They may or may not finish with a losing record. That remains to be seen. But they wanted to cut their losses. And I think that it was the right move. So now the question becomes, realistically, when are the Mets actually going to be good again? When are they going to contend? And do you think this is the right move to make? This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Mets, fire sound is over with, at least for now. Dust is settling. We'll see where it picks up again once you get to the offseason. They're about to play in Kansas City in just a couple of moments. Yankees, well, more of the same out in the Bronx. They're down 4-0 and ready to Tampa Bay in the third inning. Boy, I mean, Harvey, am I right or am I wrong? Like, you look up at the TV, and I know we're busy here, we're doing a show, but it kind of just falls along the lines of what we've been talking about about the Yankees, and there's just, like, uninspired play. You look down, and then you look back up, like, a minute later, and the Yankees, their half-inning at bat is already over. Right? I I mean, like, their turns at bat are non-competitive. You know, I'm I'm trying to, like, put some work in here to help uh, accentuate the show. And as I'm looking up, I see more commercials than at-bats at the moment. Yeah, because the Yankees give you nothing offensively. They give you nothing. They've given nothing. you nothing. I, I mean, and, and I'm not exaggerating either. This isn't for drama. I mean, this is reality. It's almost like scripted at this point. Like, if I told – like, if you came to me or if I came to you, like, an hour before the game started and said, hey, this is what's going to happen. Yeah. You'd be like, oh, what, did that didn't happen the other day? Exactly this. It's almost like we're watching a repeat of last night. Here's Brian Cashman, by the way. We'll get the audio in just a little bit, but I want to read you the comments. Brian Cashman's doing a conference call right now. We're in it to win it. We stayed the course because of that. This was the best play for us with the team we have still within striking distance. When you're a Yankee fan and you hear those words from your general manager, how does that make you feel? We're in it to win it. Could have fooled me. Sure as hell could have fooled me. I, I, I mean, all right. Nestor Cortez and Jonathan Lewisaga coming back. Is it going to be the kickstart the Yankees need to get to the playoffs? Are either one of those guys going to hit? How about this offense? How many times have the Yankees struck out tonight, by the way, so far over three innings? Only three times. Nice. So right now the Yankees are on pace to strike out only single digits tonight. We'll see if that holds true. What about Rodon? Is he going to stop giving up home runs and actually, you know, do what the Yankees are paying him to do? I will get back to them in a minute. The question that I had regarding the Mets. So they traded Verlander, traded Scherzer, David Robertson. Although I could see them even re-signing David Robertson next year. Like, he's only going to get a one-year deal from somebody at this point in his career. You can bring him back, let him be the eighth-inning guy next year, Diaz the ninth-inning guy. All right, see how it happens. Actually put this plan into place if Diaz doesn't get hurt. Right? Canna, Fam, all these – none of these guys were going to be back next year. But here's a wild card. And this is one that we referred to as kind of like the nuclear option a few weeks ago. 
But now, given the direction of where it seems the Yankees, or excuse me, the Yankees, the Mets are headed, Pete Alonso's got one more year left on his contract. Not on his contract, but team control, arbitration eligible. They haven't been able to get anything done up until this point. If you're the Mets, does it behoove you to keep Pete Alonso around past this year? I don't know if they had any conversations with other teams for Pete before the deadline. But you'd be able to get a heck of a lot for him if you shipped him out in the offseason and if you dangled his name out there because he's a controllable player. Well, controllable. He's got one more year. But you might be able to get a lot for him. You're talking about one of the most productive power hitters in all of baseball so far in his career. That on a bad team like the Mets have this season, he's still going to find a way, if he stays healthy, to park somewhere in the neighborhood between 35 and 40 home runs and probably drive in somewhere in the neighborhood in 90 to 100 runs. I know the average isn't where you want it to be, but there'll be a team that takes a shot on that and would more than than welcome him into their organization. But is that playing with fire if you're the Mets? What kind of message is that sending to the fans? Pete's a popular player. A lot of T-shirts, a lot of jerseys, a lot of merchandise, the polar bear, the commercials, all those things. But what happens if they don't think they could come to terms on a contract? What if Pete is maybe overselling his value just a little bit and Steve Cohen and the Mets don't want to go there? And they think that we're not going to be able to sign him to a long-term contract. We might as well get something for him and we got to trade him. Because if he's going to be 29 years old at this time next year, and let's say if he doesn't have a contract, you're going to lock him up long-term at the age of 30 and give him seven, eight years or whatever he would request? Here was Pete, by the way. This was earlier this afternoon in Kansas City. Says he hasn't talked to the Mets front office about any sort of potential trades. I haven't really talked to the front office. Um, For me, I just think that our job right now for the rest of the year is just to win as many ball games as we can. And uh, I I really don't, uh, to me personally, I I really, what what their initiatives are, it doesn't really matter uh, because my job's simple. Uh, For the time I have, I've had here, and every, every single day that I'm here, my job is to be the best player I can be for my teammates, for the fans, and do what I can to win every single day. I think personally, okay, if you're the Mets and you're sitting there and Billy Epler himself used the word repurposing, not rebuilding, not tearing it down. If you want to hold him to his word and you're going to believe that that is the message coming from the front office, then you can't trade Alonzo. You can't. You can't and can't. You have to negotiate in good faith. See if you can get his name on a new contract. Long-term deal. Fair for both sides. And then you go at it. Because you still got Francisco Lindor on this team for about, what, 10 more years it feels like? He's not a tradable player. That's way too much money. That's, that, that, that's, that's way more than either Scherzer or Verlander had. And I don't think that they're going to trade him. So if you still have him here... You still got Senga here for a number of years. You just signed Jeff McNeil to a contract extension. Starling Marte still got two more years. Brandon Nimmo signed a contract last offseason. There are enough pieces here to where you can pretend to be somewhat competitive and kind of hang around a race at least until the second half of the season. And if you make some shrewd moves in the offseason, hey, maybe a surprise. Like I said earlier, six Of the 10 lowest payroll teams in all of Major League Baseball are in the race right now. Still, 
as we hit August. You don't have to spend $350 million on players to be competitive. E is in the car. Up next here on 98.7. What's up, E? How are you? Hey, good, man. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate you as usual. Uh, you know, I'm a Met fan, and I've been hearing about Pete's name dangling out there in trades, and I'm just like, what, what, what's going on? Like, why would we even consider trading Pete Alonso? Was he with us in 2015 when we went to the World Series? No. Okay. Even so, he's been a consistent presence in that lineup for the past since he's been called up. He's had he's had one bad season where his average isn't up to par. We got forty year old pitchers that can't do much for us. We got these guys who have all these long pockets making all these brash, uncalculated decisions. And now we're talking about trading Alonzo. As a Met fan, I've suffered through years of disappointments, especially with the ninety win teams that tanked at the end of the season two straight years. And I'm cool with everything going on. But Pete Alonso, that doesn't make any any kind of sense. Well, E. Yeah, e, I know we got Lindor. Here's, I know we got. E, here's oh. the thing real quick, and I'll let you finish. Uh-huh. Here's the reason, right? The reason why you say it makes no sense or why it does make sense in this case is because Pete Alonso would actually bring you back a pretty hefty haul. You know, Dan, like, at some point, we just got to say, what's loyalty? Like, does that even... No, there is none. It's like the Knicks doing Pat Ewan the way they did him at the end of his career. Pete is still in the prime of his career, and I'm sure if he were to go to some other team, he probably helped them win a title. That doesn't make any sense. You can't put it on Pete that the front office... Sorry for my mispronouncing. But right now, the front office is inept. So to say, oh, we're going to trade away Pete, like, for what? To get what? Some prospect that we don't know could or could not work out. Look, my, my view is this. If you got all these top prospects for Verlander, Scherzer, whomever else you got rid of, like, dangle them for Otani. Don't put up Pete's name. Like, that. look, Dan, like, this. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate the phone call. Um, here's the thing about Alonzo. And look, when he when he asked the question, any loyalty in sports, of course there isn't. There's none. There's none. And he can't trade for Otani. I mean, th- that's not going to happen. Okay, trade deadline's over, number one, and Otani's going to be a free agent, and he's not coming here. But Otani, or I mean, but, but Alonzo was somebody that if you wanted to entertain the idea of trading, I'm saying that is a guy that could bring you back a lot. Quantity and quality. Because he's still a young player, going into his prime, and he's a productive player. Those are the guys that get you a hefty sum in exchange. Now, I'm not saying I would do it, because I wouldn't. But the other thing that he threw out there, and, and, and just to look, to set the record straight, Pete's been here five years. What have the Mets won? What have they won in the five years that Pete's been here? They've been to the playoffs once in five years. And last year, they didn't even make it out of the first round. This ain't basketball, right? This ain't basketball. It's baseball. Going to be the greatest player in the world, and it ain't going to mean anything sometimes to your team. See Mike Trout. See Mike Trout plus Shohei Otani with the Angels. And they've won nothing. 
800-919-3776. We'll hear a little bit more from Billy Epler. Brian Cashman has weighed in on the Yankees' activity or lack thereof at the deadline, plus your calls. Grasso Show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Talk to John Harper coming up at 9.30. A little bit in-depth dive into what the Yankees and Mets did today. We'll get into the football as well. Rodgers speaking at Jet Cam today. Nathaniel Hackett speaking. Still that Sean Payton controversy kind of in the air. A um, couple more comments from Billy Epler. And we'll hear from Brian Cashman too. So what about the comments? Remember, we referenced the article in The Athletic. Ken Rosenthal caught up with Max Scherzer. Max Scherzer told Ken Rosenthal basically that he was told by Billy Epler in the Met front office that they're not going to be a contender in 24. They're going to try to retool and give this thing a run for 25 or even 26. So what about those comments specifically? I'm not going to go into details. I think I you know, said this after we ended up moving Max that, you know, any of the conversations I had had with him leading into his last start as a Met and any conversations that I'd had after, I, I just, you know, want to, you know, want to kind of honor, you know, those conversations that we had. And I, I don't really want to talk about him publicly. That's, I mean, just say you didn't want to talk about him publicly. That's all. He, he could have saved all that gobbledygook and just said, I don't want to talk about it. That's it. Because that's one big non-answer. But by that answer specifically from Epler, you know, you, you almost think that, well, there's some truth to it because he didn't refute it. So what is the vision for this team? Given the place that we were in, uh, we were just trying to be, you know, strategic. We wanted to um, see what opportunities exist um, on some of our players. And uh, we had certain certain price points that we were looking for. And if those were met, uh, we were going to execute it. And one of the goals here is just to kind of expedite the, the longer term, you know, kind of the longer term goal. All right. So where did things go wrong this season for the club, Billy? I mean, we've talked about the impact of Edwin, and everybody knows it. It shortened the bullpen. It took our highest leverage reliever and really compromised things. And then um, with, you know, David Robertson stepping up and, and doing a great job in that role, I mean, that would have looked a lot prettier if that would have been in the eighth inning. You know, with what Brooks has done and, and Adam, there would have been, you know, some leverage guys to go to there. But that had moments where it wasn't, you know, firing on all cinder- cylinders. But so is the starting pitching, and so is the offense. And so felt like every single component has had a time where it wasn't, you know, where it wasn't, at, you know, at the best version of itself or, you know, maybe at its, at its accustomed level. That started to kind of compound and, and put us in a, in, a, in a tough spot. Well, bottom line is, like I said, 100-plus games, I think we kind of know where this whole thing went wrong. And remains to be seen what the future is going to have in store. We'll hear from Cashman in just a little bit. He's speaking now, which, you know, we were talking about this during the break. For the life of me, I don't know why he talks during the game. Right, like the assembled media at Yankee Stadium, they're there to cover the game tonight. And look, I understand the Yankees aren't giving you much of a reason to watch because they're losing 4 nothing again, but doesn't this now having to cover the press conference with Cashman take away from them covering the game? Like what if something monumental happens on the field? Maybe Cashman doesn't want to watch the Yankees play anymore. And he's just like, the hell with it. I'll do a press conference now, let the media come in and sit on that, and whatever happens, I'm sure nothing great is going to happen on the field because we stink. Let's say hi to Tommy in Long Island up next. Tom, how are you? How you doing, buddy? What's up, Tom? I, You know, I got to tell you, what are we going to get from Serger and Verlander? I know the guys we got. Do you know if they're any good? 
Well, I would like to think that the Mets front office did their homework and did their research on these guys and the scouts thinking that they're going to turn into decent players one day. You think? Oh, we're guessing. Now, we, Tommy Fan. Who we get for Tommy Fan? Some prospect again from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, did they get rid of Canna? They got rid of Canna. They got a minor league pitcher for so Mark Canna. I just saw that on watching the Met game right now. Yeah. Who did they get for him? They got a minor league pitcher. They got minor leaguers back. For every trade they made, they got minor leaguers. All right, Dan, I got to tell you, you're, you're right on with everything. Everything you say, you're, you're right. Now, what do you mean Cashman's talking about the Yankees in the middle of a game? Yeah, he's having a press conference right now. You kidding? No, I'm not. Why should? Why, why am I? It's why. What? What does Brian Cashman have to do? The trade deadline's over, right? It's not like he's going to have to, you know, be right. nearby, be near his phone or anything. Nobody's going to call him up to make a trade. He can't make any more trades now. That's it. So he figures, why the hell not? People want to know what our thinking was. Let's do the press conference. Brian wants to probably get the hell out of the Bronx and beat the traffic when the game is over. So he doesn't want to wait till after the game. Probably you're right. Right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, get on I the major Deegan. Right. Get over the bridge. Get the hell home and get out of there. Yeah, uh, I got to tell you, what do you think? The Yankees did nothing. Nothing. They got a relief right. pitcher from. They got a relief pitcher from Chicago, Keenan oh. Middleton, and they got a guy oh. in Spencer Howard, who once upon a time was a um, highly regarded prospect with the Philadelphia Phillies, but never really turned into anything, and he's been a journeyman. Tommy, thanks for the phone call. Look, we don't we don't know about these prospects, minor leaguers. Who the hell knows? None of us do. It's like eating out. Right? Every time you walk into a restaurant, you order off the menu. You hope it's good, but you don't know. That's what trading for minor leaguers is. Benny in New York up next here on 98.7. Ben, how are you? If I could punch up the call. Hey, Dan. There he is. Hey, What's Dan, up? Uh, good, yeah, good afternoon. Good evening. Um, Hey, man, real quick. Uh, what I wanted to talk about was is that, you know, the uh, the Yankees and the Mets, they're more or less still in the, the, the race for the wild card. Now, you know, statistically speaking, the Yankees are four games over uh, 500 and they're three and a half back. But the Mets also are uh, five games under 500 with uh, six games uh, behind another wild card spot. And there's 57 games left to play. Yeah, but, but, but Ben, here's the thing. Realistically, you know, you and I, technically, we could win the lottery tomorrow. Are we going to? That's, that's if we play, but I know what you're saying. Yeah, but I mean, like, realistically, like, you've watched the Mets. Let's take them. We'll start with the Mets, and thank you for the phone call. You've watched the Mets for 100, let's see, what have, what have they played? 105 games. Have the Mets shown you in 105 games this year that they resemble anything close to a consistent baseball team at all? They only had one good stretch. This, they started off good. They were 14-7 and seven to begin the year. And then right around the 4th of July, remember they went out and began the month of July pretty good for that first week. So apart from, like, those two stretches, they've been terrible. And for them to make the playoffs, you're going to have to win probably, I would say, 35 of the remaining 57 games. So what is that? you got to go 35 and 22? You're going to have to play 13 games over 500 for the remainder of the season. What confidence do you have that the Mets could actually do that, given they've been a losing team for over 100 games? Right? The front office had to look at this thing realistically. Same thing with the Yankees. I mean, the Yankees are in a little bit better position, but if you watch them play, you're confident in this team? Like right now, if you told me I was watching last night's game or if I was watching tonight's game, I wouldn't know the difference. 
You know, Domingo Herman still ain't in the game. So, I mean, it, it would be basically the same thing. You know, he's resting that armpit. It's the same stuff night in and night out with the Yankees. They don't hit, right? They don't hit. And the pitching leaves a lot to be desired. And generally, the club on the other in the, on the other side of the field in the other dugout is a little bit more well-operated machine than they are. Let's say hi to Sam in San Antonio up next here on 98.7. Sammy, how are you? I, uh, I've been a little bit better, Dan. Thank you for taking the call, man. I hope all is well with you. Uh, but quick question before I get into my yeah. point. How did we go from a potential subway series to a fire sale and a seasoned general manager having a, a press conference in the middle of a game? Like, you, you can't make this stuff up. This is like a comedy script. That's called the season. Uh, that's, you know what that is? That's, that, that's called the season. That's why, you know, and this really goes for all sports. You can't sit there and map it all out on paper and, you know, we think no, we might yeah. have an idea. It, it, it gives we, us. We really don't. Yeah, we I really mean, don't. It, it provides surprises along the way, and that's what makes it fun. You're absolutely right, but I don't think anyone expected a level of surprise to this extent. But now, uh, uh, of course, you know, I listen to uh, ESPN pretty much all day, every day. Now, uh, the K show today I thought was on another level. Both sides had different points, but I think they were both on point in the sense that I agree with Don that selling off was the right thing to do for the Mets. But here's the flip side to it, if they lied to uh, what Don was saying, they lied to mm-hmm. uh, Verlander and Scherzer, then M- M- Michael also brought up a great point. Then what's that telling the future players that you're uh, going to be bringing that they're not going to trust a single word that you're saying. Now, as far as all the acquisitions, once again, bringing in the, uh, the prospects that they brought in and one, uh, two of them automatically becoming the number one and number two prospects in the Mets organizations. It's just very telling about how, bad the Mets farm system is. I thought, honestly, they got hosed for every single deal uh, because the other teams probably saw the level of desperation that they did have. I mean, look at some of the other deals that some of the other teams made. They got higher-level prospects, not throwing in any money for the deal, you know, within the deal, and got better prospects than the Mets got. But then, once again, going on to the other side, the prospects but do you really, but, but here's, automatically but Sam, go to the top of the Mets organization. But, so it's a very weird position they're in. But, Sam, here's the I'm thing, saying. though. Pro- prospects are in the eye of the beholder. And, and like I said, nobody Agreed. knows how they're going to pan out, though. Nobody and, knows. Nobody yeah, that knows. was a great analogy that you did with the whole menu thing. I thought that was actually well, on point. And here's the thing, though. With Verlander and Scherzer and where they are, and i got to hit a break, but thanks a lot for the phone call. Verlander and Scherzer, their age, the money they still have on their contract, no other team – Let's say if they were on other teams right now and they traded them away to some other club, they wouldn't have gotten the return that the Mets got from those respective teams because those respective franchises would not have kicked in as much cash as Steve Cohen did. So, yeah, you could say that Steve Cohen miscalculated this whole thing and spent all this money, loftiest payroll in the history of baseball, and have nothing to show for it. And, oh, by the way, they're pivoting in such a short amount of time that they're having a fire sale. That doesn't look good, yeah. But they're at least trying to save face a little bit because you have an owner who has money and he's paying down some of these contracts to where they can be able to get something decent in return. Like before the deadline, I've been saying I didn't even know if Scherzer or Verlander were even tradable because of the things that I just outlined. Right? And Texas, they're the ones that became desperate because Nathan Avaldi went on the shelf. He had been their best pitcher this year. You know you already don't have Jacob DeGrom. They're in first place, and they're trying to win this thing. Remember, Texas paid $500 million last offseason to Seager and Simeon. 
They gave DeGrom $185 million before this year. That owner is writing checks like he can't stop. So he wants to be able to at least have something to show for it this year. And because of that, they rolled the dice. They brought in a guy like Scherzer, even though, and I'd like to think that the Rangers know because they did their homework, right? They have baseball people in that organization. Last two seasons, in two different uniforms, Scherzer wore down at the end of the year. So if Texas is bringing him in to be somewhat of a stabilizer, that might not be your guy. But they did it anyway, and they parted with a top 50 prospect because the Mets helped pay down some of that money. So to me, win-win for the Mets. And we'll see if Scherzer can actually find the fountain of youth a little bit, but I'm not extremely confident. 800-919-3776, the telephone number. More of your calls. We'll also hear from Brian Cashman when we return. Grasso Show till 10, 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. Carlos Rodon's night is done. Four innings, four runs, two home runs, four walks. To go with five strikeouts. Five nothing Tampa Bay over the Yankees. Yeah. Two hits for the Yankees so far in the fifth inning of this one. More the same in the Bronx. Here was something interesting. This was from uh, Andrew Friedman, who is the man in charge of the Dodgers baseball ops. Talking about the high-end starting pitching targets that the Dodgers tried to acquire at the deadline and came up empty. One being Eduardo Rodriguez of the Detroit Tigers, who's having a good season. He's having a bounce-back season this year. You know, he's got an ERA of sub-three, which is pretty damn good. You know, but he was a guy that went through some stuff off the field in his personal life and kind of lost his way a little bit. Last year, his first season was kind of a forgettable one after signing that big contract with the Tigers. But Eduardo Rodriguez, I guess in his contract, had, you know, a semi-no-trade and, you know, right of first refusal, that type of stuff. And he elected not to uproot and go to the Dodgers. Think about that. Somebody wanted to stay in Detroit with the Tigers as opposed to going to the Dodgers. But that's his objective. And then, of course, Justin Verlander, who wanted to go back to the Astros, and that's how the Mets made the deal. So Friedman said, one we lined up on, one we didn't because it was his preference to go to another team where he did go. And, of course, he means Verlander the latter, and Eduardo Rodriguez, Erod, didn't want to go anywhere. Now, Brian Cashman, this will be interesting. This will be fun, right? Love to hear what Cash has to say about the state of affairs here for the Yankees. Now, you sitting down for this one? You sitting down. Here's Brian meeting the media, saying that even though they didn't really make a big splash, we're in it to win it. Uh, obviously, we're we're in it to win it. You know, we stayed the course because of that. You know, obviously, we've got Nestor coming back as well as Loisaga soon, and you know, we know that we have we have better baseball in us. Although we haven't shown that and proven that, but we've got two more months to show that now. So, ultimately, uh, reinforced a little bit of the pen, you know, with the Middleton acquisition, and uh, there was a design- designation of assignment, you know, last second out of Texas. So we grabbed Spencer Howard real quick, um, an option with Scranton. You know, certainly we, you know, we were aggressively trying to do more and be open-minded to a lot of things coming our way. But when the dust settled, this is obviously we stayed the course with what we had because we felt felt that given the options that were available coming our way or the options that we were unable to secure, this was the best play for us with the team we had that, uh, you know, we still are within, you know, striking distance and, 
uh, let's try to find a way to figure our way through it and, and get ourselves in and see what we can do if we can get there. Imagine saying you're in it to win it to your fans and coming up with Keenan Middleton, a journeyman relief pitcher. I mean, the Mets' acqu- deadline acquisitions last year with, with Darren Ruff and Daniel Vogelback were more exciting than what the Yankees did. I'm a little confused this year why they're so upset. No, they should be, Hal, right? And by the way, general manager's words, not mine. He thinks they have the talent. We do have the talent. We do have the capabilities. Uh, saying it is one thing. I know watching it lately hasn't been anything close to what you'd feel comfortable with. Uh, but we had to measure that with, again, what the ultimately options that were presented to us on, you know, I know I'm sure some people out there, you know, tear it down, sell, and other people are out there, add something big. Well, I couldn't add, there wasn't a big thing to add, and, and um, to be quite honest, and then, uh, you know, that was going to solve the immediate problems that we have. And then, um, and then in terms of the sell stuff, that, you know, there's certainly a lot of players here that are talented, that playoff teams would like to get their hands on, but in terms of what, trying to pry that away from us wasn't really worth it. You know, it was like, oh, I'd rather just keep it and take a shot, you know, to be quite honest. And, uh, and so I stayed in, in, engaged every step of the way with our owner. You know, you certainly, you know, you kind of assess the marketplace and what's presenting it, presenting themselves to you and, and you make individual decisions as they, you know, come along. So we're going to obviously finish this off and see where it takes us. Do you feel the excitement? I mean, is it just me? I mean, Harvey, do we have, like, a cool-down period with this show? Like, can we do so? I mean, like, th- this is just – I mean, if you're a Yankee fan, uh, I mean, we have to go check on the state of brick walls around the New York tri-state area because I think people might have just run through brick walls. I need a fan, dude. Calm me down. After getting so inspired by the general manager right there. Oh, my – we got the talent. We're in it to win it. We brought ourselves on a middle reliever. Oh, my – Start spreading the news. Yay! Yeah, let's go! Ba, 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 yeah! Harvey, check the Canyon of Heroes. Go to the schedule. See if it's booked for whatever the day after the World Series is. Because we might have to plan a parade just by listening to the general manager of the New York Yankees. I don't know how you could think otherwise. I mean, this this is this is inspiring. I mean, this was like the second coming of George Patton for crying out loud. That's how enthused I. I'm not even a Yankee fan. I think this. I, I'm psyched. I'm pumped. I'm so inspired by the general manager's words that I look at the score right now of the game tonight and I see five nothing Rays. I think it's five nothing Yankees. Just because of what Cashman is selling me. It's fantastic. Hey, Brian, can the veteran players turn this thing around, yes or no? I mean, they're professionals. They're obviously extremely talented. And so hopefully they're saving the best baseball for the last two months. There you go. Hopefully. Yes. Yes. Kick it up. Let's go. Yeah. Hopefully, we're saving our best baseball for the next two months. Go! Louder! I'm leaving today. The Yankees can't hit the damn ball, but they've got talent. Yeah! Wait, we got more. Wait a second. We got more. Don't fret.
How about if the struggling players, if we're going to see some change? Now, give me the music. You keep the music going. Just keep it a little lower because Brian's going to take the floor now. Brian's going to take the mic. But just have a nice nice little background accompaniment music. Here we go. Here's Brian. I mean, I, I definitely see in terms of Le, both LeMayu, Rizzo, oh, and, yeah. uh, and Stanton a lot of qualities right now that get you your hopes up that, all right, it's coming. Yeah, all oh, those qualities. Give me some Frank. Let's go. Let's go. Top of the heat. How about those Stanton qualities? What do you think those qualities are? What do you think? That 5-4-3 rally-killing double play last night in Stanton took him about 12 seconds to get down to first base. A lot of good qualities for Stanton. So much so he's not even in the lineup tonight. DJ LeMahieu was 0 for 2 so far tonight. So I don't know what these qualities are. They're somewhere, but we haven't seen them yet. But that's all you need to hear from your general manager. If you are a Yankee fan, all right, you should probably, and this is my, you know, just my advice. You know, I, I, I'm just, I'm a friend. It's all I am to you right now. You could take the advice and just throw it out the window if you want. After hearing Brian Cashman, and I don't know if you were one of these people that, you know, plans out your life in advance, those type of things. If I were you, I'd go down to Yankee Stadium, bring a sleeping bag. I would camp out. Tonight, for when playoff tickets go on sale in October. Or whenever they go on sale. Kiss your friends goodbye. Kiss your family goodbye. Maybe you can meet up in line at the stadium for lunch one of these days in the next two months. Because you do not want to sacrifice the opportunity to come watch this Yankee team play in October. Meaningful postseason baseball. There are qualities that some of these players have, say the general manager, and that this thing is going to turn itself around. Oh, baby. See, like the difference between the difference between Brian Cashman and Billy Epler right now in what they're spewing to their fan base. Billy Epler and the Mets at least are being honest with their fans. The Mets are basically coming out and telling you, you know what? We stink. All right, we tried. The owner spent a lot of money, but we stink. And because of that, we're going to cut our losses. And we're just going to sell away most half of the team. Yankees, on the other hand, are like a used car salesman. Yes, they stink. And they have players that make a lot of money and don't produce based upon what they're getting paid. But yet the general manager is going to go out there and tell you, there's a lot of good qualities that we have on this team. I think the guys that are struggling are going to be not struggling soon. We are the Yankees, and we're in it to win it. I mean, do you like getting lied to if you're a fan, right? Don't you want, like, the truth? Wouldn't you rather have, like, your general manager be a straight shooter and just tell you exactly what the hell's going on? The same exact thing that you could see with your own two eyes? You watch the games, or if he can stand to watch the games. It's the same crap each and every night. That's my favorite. Like, the we're in it to win it is my is my favorite. Uh, obviously, we're we're in it to win it. Yeah. And we stayed the course because of that. Uh, obviously, we're, we're in it to win it. We <laughs> that's got to – we got to – Harvey, that's got to be like the sound bite that we just play from here till eternity. We're in it to win it. 
Oh, my gosh. That was fun. That was fun. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Grasso Show till 10 right here on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs> 5 nothing Tampa Bay over the Yankees in the sixth inning. Yanks with just two hits. Rodon, an unproductive start. Mets with a one nothing lead on the Royals. Pete Alonso, believe it or not, with a home run. His 31st of the season in that one. Plenty of good seats available, it looks like, in Kansas City by a couple of teams playing out the string. Let's say hi to Mo, who is in New York. If I could just get the clicker to work. There you go. Mo, what's going on? Yeah, Dan, there's a partial sellout to quote uh, Skip Carey. Um, uh, <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, you know, you nailed it going into the break. Um I had a point on the Yankee game tonight, but before you said, they must really think we're morons. <laughs> the way they talk, you have Boone come out after the game against Baltimore and tell us that Severino showed in the second and third inning that there's stuff to build on there after he didn't get anyone out in the first inning. And then he tells us that they struck out 18 times, but they had good at-bats in the other ones. And, and the general manager says that, that we've watched Rizzo for two and a half months. We've watched the Mayu for a year and a half. He's telling us that he thinks there's something coming. He, they, they really must think in that organization that we're morons. They might um, be taking it for granted, you know, like it's taking you for granted a little bit, right? Because they know that the Yankee fan is just going to sit there and believe the message. And look, they've been spewing it for the last 30 years. And more often than not, they're right. They put a competitive team out there. But there is no way you can look at this team and say that it is a championship caliber team. I don't care what some of the guys are making. The proof is in the pudding. The Yankees are not the championship caliber team. They're not. Not even, not even close. You watch, you watch them play the Orioles. You watch them play Tampa. They, they, they're not, they don't belong on the same field as these teams. And which brings me to my second point, and it brings me to the owner. If I was Hal Steinbrenner and I was sinking that amount of money into this team, how could I be okay? And I think this every time they play Tampa. How could I be okay watching them play Tampa, who has a, a, an eighth of the resources that you pour into the team, and yet? They are better in every aspect with guys I've never heard of, a finding talent that guys I've never heard of, yet you're sinking that into your – and by the way, not even prospects. It's not even prospects that they – they're finding guys in other organizations. So if I was Hal Steinbrenner, what, what, how is Hal Steinbrenner okay with this? It, it just tells me that Hal's okay with just – you know, being over 500 and being competitive and making money. He doesn't actually care about – he would like to win, but he doesn't actually care about winning because if he did, how could he watch them play Tampa Bay and be okay with this? Well, think about what just happened over the last couple of days, Mo, and I thank you for the phone call, okay? Do you see what Tampa did at the deadline? Yesterday they went out and acquired Aaron Savali from the Cleveland Guardians. Now, some of you might be like, who the hell's Aaron Savali? Well, that's a fair question, all right? But Aaron Savali is a guy this year who's pitching with 2-3 ERA. Pretty damn good. All right, missed some time due to injury. He's only thrown 77 innings. But he's had a real good year. And he's got some upside. And, oh, by the way, he's 28 years of age. He is a controllable starting pitcher. I would say pretty solid middle-of-the-rotation type of a pitcher, like a good three, right? Like if you put him over to the Yankees, he'd probably be like a number three starter behind Cole and Rodon. But the guy is controllable for two more years after this. Tampa Bay acquired him. 
So now you're going to have to see them in your division. And you know what Tampa Bay gave up for him? They gave up one of their prospects, a slugging outfielder slash first baseman, that Cleveland, who also, you know, is a team that finds a way to be successful on a shoestring budget, they got rid of Josh Bell today and traded him, who was their incumbent first baseman, because they don't need him anymore. They got this kid. Smart organizations do things like that. Now, the Yankees wouldn't be able to get a guy like Aaron Savali. You know why? Because they would have to part with a top prospect, and they don't want to do that. They didn't want to give up Anthony Volpe last year for Luis Castillo. Who's had more of an impact on their team this year? Luis Castillo over in Seattle or Anthony Volpe here? Lonnie's in Harlem. He is up next here on 98.7. Hello, Lonnie. How are you? Hello, Dan and man. How are you? Oh, How's everything? Things are tremendous. How the heck are you? Well, they, they could be a lot better if the Yankees and the Mets didn't stink. But, you know, they the do. world we live in. They do. The world the world we live in. First off, obviously, shout out to the company. How we doing? Secondly, how we doing, Julian and Harvey? Now, Dan, I really only called in to really thank you for uh, everything you did on Saturday, you know, hanging out with some of the company members, you know, shaking hands and kissing babies and saying <laughs> hi to the people who <laughs> saying hi to all the people about, who All about kissing the babies. You know that. <laughs> yeah, man. You was on your presidential campaign out there. Oh, by the way, the first lady, congratulations, sir. I would say you outkicked your coverage, but you're a very handsome man yourself. You're goddamn right about that yeah. one. No, comp- no I'm not going to apologize on either on either front. On either front on that one. As you as you should it. You know. But yeah, I just wanted to call in and thank you for that. Obviously, thank you for the jersey. It's nice and washed. I actually washed it like that night. Actually, when I when I got so you so wait so you washed the jersey already, but but I signed the jersey. So is the is the is the yeah, signature yeah, yeah. still no, on no, it? No, I, yeah, yeah, I, I made sure I like I thoroughly hand washed it. Wow, it with like a, with like yeah, a toothbrush to... and stuff like that, like you scrub the no. corner. <laughs> no, Dan, stop, stop playing. That's how you clean your sneakers, man. That's how you clean your sneakers. But what I, you know, I just threw it in the, you know, and washed it out, put some soap on it, you know, sir, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's clean. Don't worry about gotcha. it. Gotcha. But also, I also called in obviously to talk about these dreadful, uh, that dreadful, uh, uh, whatever uh, Cashman just said. I mean, he really must, like the, the last caller, he must really think that we're clowns out here. Like, are we kidding me? We've all watched uh, uh, Rizzo for the last two months. I still don't know whether the man's head is on correctly or not because ever since that tattoo hit, he hasn't been able to basically put the bat on the ball. LeMayhew, since the injury, honestly, has just not been the same. The team, technically, to me, is just falling apart. Because you got Boone up there saying that after 30 strikeouts in two games, the bats was looking good, or you think something is coming? What's coming? More whiffs? I mean, come on. Like, And then, once again, the fact that the Orioles just smacked us in the mouth, this is the same team that our owners swore up and down that it was okay to overlook. So it's just things like that that I just don't understand, like, they, as me as a Yankee fan, I, I, I try to be a realistic one. So I don't get as mad as I'm sure other people do. To me, as soon as the baseball season starts, Dan, all I say is it's another 162. If we make it to the playoffs, whoop de doo Are we going to do anything? I don't think so. But at this point, Dan, like I said, it's just, it's just frustrating hearing this man. First of all, you got to hear it from Boone. Then we heard it from Howe earlier. Now we got Cashman again over here basically talking about don't give up on us. Remember when he said that earlier? Yeah. What he really what he really meant was don't give up on me. I think a lot of people have been done that. And as I told Julian, 
The next time the Yankees get anything going down the King and the Herald, and God forbid, I'm not the type to call for anybody's job, but the day Cashman is gone, fire up the band, clear the blocks, because everybody might be running around naked. No, because, you, you, I mean, Lonnie, you know what's going to happen? You know the next time that's going to happen? And I thank you for the phone call, my friend. I got to hit a break. You know the next time the Yankees are going to have anything in down the Canyon Heroes? They're going to sponsor a float in the parade. Like, you know, you have in the Thanksgiving Day parade, like the, you know, the, 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 the Cub Scouts or whatever, have a nice little float there and the kids all walk over. That's going to be the Yankees. They're going to buy a float in the next Canyon of Heroes parade in lower Manhattan because it sure as hell ain't going to be for them. All right, one hour still to play with. We'll mix in some football, some interesting remarks coming out of Florham Park today regarding the Jets. We'll get into that, plus John Harper coming up at 930. And your calls, Grasso for another 60 on 98.7 ESPN. Obviously, we're, we're in it to win it. This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>